Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. This is a Lip Media podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Steph, how are you feeling? Not fantastic. How are you feeling? (laughs) Not great. (laughs) This is a follow-up from uh, last week's episode. We Mm. we did a coronavirus special. Yeah. Um, And Steph and I kind of, well, we talked about me potentially having it. I was feeling a little bit under the weather about a week ago anyways. And I was feeling fantastic. Steph was feeling fine. She got here. She was great. Um, but then I kind of deteriorated through the week mm-hmm. and I started getting all the symptoms of like the actual symptoms of coronavirus of the fatigue, the body aches, the cough. Yeah. Um, my chest felt a bit heavy. And then Steph, you started getting the same symptoms. Well, it was a bit weird at first because at first I was getting different symptoms. Like for me, it was like a lot of eye strain. Yeah. I was getting like hot flashes i was pretty sure i was getting premenopausal at 35 like i was i would just be like i would do something and i'd exert myself and i'd feel fine and then i would just be like sitting down and suddenly i was like every crevice of my body is sweating this is great what is this yeah i mean maybe it was maybe we're we are going through early menopause together i don't think we are Maybe it's like, you know how like women sync up during their periods? Maybe they sync up during menopause. I, I, I don't think we're this there This is yet. not menopause. <laughs> it's one of those things where, I mean, we've read up on the symptoms. Um, we ended up calling triple one in yeah. the UK. Mm-hmm. They told us, look, you're both like mid thirties healthy. You have a good immune system. They asked how we were feeling. We're like, we feel right. Like, we feel a bit shit. Yeah, fully functional, just, like, absolute shit. Yeah. So they said, look, just chill inside, self-isolate. So um, basically the whole week Steph has been here. We have been self-isolating in my flat. We've done a very little. We've done nothing. We left the house today, and we had a walk out in, like, an open... We went to the West Norwood Cemetery. Yeah. 
um, which is like we were like uh, social distancing from anyone, and we figure as well if we do die, a cemetery is a great spot <laughs> to be in. We're ready to go. No, I'm kidding. We're no one's dying, obviously. Um, but it, like it's been pretty awful, and I, I'm this does not surprise me that Steph and I get together and. We, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I would not rule out coronavirus, right? We always travel together and it's become a joke amongst our friends that we can't. And this is why like yeah. stupid shit happens. Mm. Um, but I think the cemetery was good today because there, there was no one around us. We encountered basically no one. Yeah. And we got to see some things. And what was interesting was that the tube was closed in London. Yeah. So the tube, like the major form of transportation across the entire city, um, some drivers tested positive for coronavirus, so Mm -hmm. they shut it down. So we decided, we're like, okay, we need to go out of here because we're going stir crazy. And it just got to the point, we were feeling better today. Like we were not like the height of our symptoms. Oh, we woke up feeling great. We felt fine. So we're like, okay, we just need to get like just fresh air. And that's the problem where everyone's self-isolating. But the problem is when you live in a city like London... Mm-hmm. I live in a flat. I don't have a backyard. You know, if I want to get outside, I have to go outside. I have to leave the flat. So we thought, what better place to go than like an open? Yeah, uh, one well, of the one of the magnificent seven cemeteries, which is West Norwood. It's nearby. We could walk there. We're not infecting anyone. We get out of the house. We see something cool, and that's what we did. And so for anyone who doesn't know what the Magnificent Seven, because you just referenced that. Mm-hmm. So in London, there's what they call seven Magnificent Seven cemeteries. And basically, they're they're massive. Yeah. Like we were walking through it and you even warned me. You're like, these are really big. This is going to be really big. And I'm like, yeah, OK. And you could easily get lost there. Yeah. And come out on one side and be like, this is not where I thought I was. It's, um, it's huge. Uh, it's massive. Like oh. you could spend hours walking around in there we did spend hours there today yeah, yeah. and it's beautiful and it's we barely one... scratched the surface yeah and that's the, the nice thing about the magnificent seven cemeteries in london they are mm-hmm. you know people are encouraged to go and like walk through them because it's not just a cemetery but they're like conservation areas they're beautiful they have lots of greenery and lots of beautiful trails you can walk through they actually developed because this is going back to the 19th century where london was like not even a million people yet. Yeah. So, like, that may still be a big city to many people, but at the time, like, the dead were being buried in these small little parish cemeteries, and they were quickly like, this is not sustainable for the po- the way the population's growing. So they created these mass cemeteries to kind of deal with it. I, like, I've heard of this. I've never seen anything like what we saw today. Yeah. That was crazy. There were graves that you could tell were on top of graves, on top of graves. There were mausoleums that were family plots. Crips. There were. The whole works. And the, what got me is that you'd think they'd be very organized in like, here's the plots from the 1800s. And you would think it would grow, move. Yeah. And then on the other side would be the recent burials. But no, it was like 1890s. This person died in 1890. This person died in 2017. Like. They're it all is mixed. the biggest mishmash of shit I've ever seen. Yeah. So walking around here, we took a couple, like, obviously we were taking photos because you see some of these tombstones and everything and what's inscribed on them is quite beautiful, quite mm. memorable. I was taking photos. We got a couple selfies while we were there um, yeah. with all well, these we- really ancient 
Oh, we also realized that Seth and I, since she's been here, we have not taken any photos together because we've been inside the flat. Yeah. So we were kind of like, oh, you know, we're having a nice walk. Let's just take a couple photos mm-hmm. as we're walking through the cemetery. Yeah. And then we got into the discussion a little bit of like, is it appropriate to be taking photos in a cemetery? And then we we definitely, if anyone follows us on Instagram, they would have seen today a little preview to the episode. So we walked by this fantastic tombstone today and all it said was like, Arthur, simply the best. And that was his tombstone. And we were like, that is amazing. Yeah. And we took a photo of it, posted it. Obviously, along to the theme track of Tina Turner's Simply the Best. Simply the Best. I mean, it was one of those things you walk by, you read it, you cannot help but sing that in your head yeah. when you see it. And the funny thing was, he died in 1990. And I, when I saw it, I did. Because you, you took a photo, and you're like, I want to post this with this. And I immediately was like, what year did that song come out? Because I feel like it must have came out, and he was like, this is what I wanted to say on my tombstone. Yeah. We looked it up later, and that song came out in 1991, a year after he died. A year after. He died in 1990. So, Arthur was just a man ahead of his time, really, is what that says. Yeah. But we were like, I don't think that's actually inappropriate. Well, I posted it on Instagram stories with the music track, so anyone Mm -hmm. that has the filters. And as I was putting it up, I'm like, is this okay? Is it not? And I guess that's what we're gonna talk about yeah in this episode today in terms of photo etiquette yes right so this is one of the topics about being in a place of respect respect because we definitely respect the dead we respect where we are definitely a place of huge respect and we're not doing it any disrespect that was what today especially when i was walking through the graveyard i was like every tombstone because we did we stopped Mm -hmm. and read a lot of them and we're like for this brief moment in time, we are bringing this person who died back to like back to life. For well, we put we found a one tombstone of two twin boys that died, oh. and there was a scripture on it. So what it said was it said twin boys Sean and Daniel Woolley. So we can bring them back to life a little bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. It said two tiny flowers lent not given to bud on earth and then bloom in heaven. Yeah, and it was just like it was so sad. And we found, we picked two flowers from we the did. ground, not from someone else's grave. And we put them, there was a little vase <laughs> yeah. that was empty. And Steph and I put two little flowers yeah. in there. Um, and then we, we did take a photo of it. But we, you know, it's it's what we want to talk about today is the fine line with being respectful. Mm-hmm. When you're taking photos yeah. of things like burial sites, memorials, yeah. even just people in general. In any time that you're traveling... What is acceptable? What is the etiquette? And this is going to be another etiquette episode on taking photos of certain things and posting them on social media. And I feel like this is a very discretionary thing. So obviously it's very subjective. People will take photos with different things. And sometimes there's things, and I'll even say it, you take photos with something that are funny to you and your friends, but they're not funny to post. So you can keep it as a joke between you, but like... You don't need to post it publicly. Right. You have to, you know, think about... Use your discretion. We obviously started with the graveyard setting. So back in 2015, when I was in Cairo, this was the really kind of the first time I thought about this on a really meaningful level. And it was because I was with... I, I wasn't traveling with a guy and we'd met a guy who 
was a very talented photographer, took stunning photos, clearly knew all his camera settings. And he, we went on a, um, a bunch of us went on a little tour of Cairo doing all the major mosques. And the one mosque we went to, obviously you went in and to go in, I had to like wear a little headscarf and, you know, dress modestly to get in. So I go in, I'm taking in all the stunning architecture, and I realize there were a number of men who were in the mosque already at this time, and they were praying. And they were, you know, on their knees, really in kind of what I would describe as a meditative state, like very deep in prayer. This isn't a quick, you know, get down, back up. This was like... They're um, having a full-on full on moment. deep in prayer. And he, this guy we were with, kind of went up to them and was, like, got down on his, he was laying down to take, like, these perfect capture moments of the perfect angle of these men praying in this mosque. And I actually did. I physically ran and, like, hid behind one of the columns. Right. Because I was so mortified. I'm like, you are taking these photos of these people who have not consented to being in them. Yeah. And... And in a very, like, spiritual, personal moment. uh, Yeah, in a very vulnerable moment. Like, even, I think I'm not a very spiritual, religious person myself. But if I were to be in one of those moments, it would be one of the most vulnerable moments I'm having. Yeah. And someone's taking a photo of you. Like, in your face as well. Like, he wasn't doing it from afar. He was right up in there. And these men weren't even coming out of this position to react because they were very into the prayer. And right. I'm like, I was so taken aback. I've never, like, I couldn't, it was so invasive. Yeah. And I feel like it does a bit of a disservice to the attitudes towards photographers. Because obviously you want people who are respectful. Um, and I was just mortified. And I have no doubt his photos he got in that moment were stunning. Probably. But now when I, even to this day, five years later, when I see photos and the caption is like, man in prayer or whatever it might be, I'm like, did this person consent to this photo or have you completely exploited a vulnerable moment in their life? Yeah. Well, and I guess that kind of our first point is this can tie into taking photos in like religious sites or... Mm-hmm. Or places of worship. Yeah. Which is always, like, you sometimes have to be sensitive to it. But then also, this goes into taking photos of people without their consent. Whether it's someone in a place of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another one that comes to mind is is when you are taking photos of people. Just, like, the locals, right? Like, yeah. wherever you are. And one thing that comes to mind, and this is another ex- example that I had when I, I was there i saw photo when i was in romania mm-hmm. and i saw people taking photos same with like nice cameras and they're taking these artsy photos of roma women mm-hmm. on the streets of bucharest and these women are they don't have a lot of money they're begging for change and i just see like tourists snapping photos of them mm-hmm. where i'm like i'm sure they wouldn't mind if you i mean to, if it was me i i would probably approach them and say hi do you mind if I take a photo, give them some money? Yeah. And I'm sure they'd be fine with it. But there's something. Yeah, absolutely. About some. And it's not just, I mean, that's just the example I thought of. But you think of just even homeless people. So there's people that take like the sort of like street art, edgy photos that, mm-hmm. you you know. Yeah. And they're taking photos of, of people in the street. It's like, how is that benefiting them? 
I think that's a really important question to ask in any kind of travel photography that you see or any travel photography you take is what is the exchange? So obviously in a lot of these photos on one side on the photographer's end, there's a beautiful photo. They're getting an or artistic, stunning, provocative, thought provoking photo. photo of look at the, look, look at the bad streets of yeah. New York or I don't know. You know what I mean? But on the other end, on the person in the photo, what are they getting out of it? And maybe in a religious setting, they are okay with the photo because they want, you know, another side. And I was in Egypt, so it was obviously like an Islamic church. So maybe they want the more beautiful side of Islam to be shown in a world where it isn't. I mean, there's there can be an exchange there that is fair. But is that exchange happening? And same with on the streets when people are taking photos of homeless people or of any kind of vulnerable people. Are they being given something or are they being exploited for the sake of a photo? For the sake of a photo. And that's where I feel like everyone needs to sort of step back for a minute before Mm. you take a photo of a person in whatever the setting, right? And again, we're not saying like, first of all. You should really be asking permission to anyone before you take a photo. And yeah. Steph and I are going to talk about kind of the other way around as yeah. Steph and I in scenarios we've been in with photos being taken with us. But you need to step back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And question, before you snap that photo, who is this benefiting? And really, do you feel good about taking this photo? Because sometimes as well, you see people that are taking photos and they're doing it kind of like behind, like they're Mm. doing it secretly. If you're doing something secretly like that, then you know it's probably not okay anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you have to have that moral conscience. And if you're not, that's a problem. Like, you need to reevaluate yourself as a person. Jumping from this, I know we're talking about from mosques and different religious places, but there's also many different kind of sacred places where this happens as well. Mm -hmm. And you see this a lot on, or I see it a lot, at least on social media, talking about places like Auschwitz. 
or yes. Chernobyl. So where... memorial sites and yeah. memorial sites of places that have a very dark history. Mm-hmm. Because there's memorial. I mean, especially in a place like London, we have memorials everywhere. That at the end of the day, a memorial is memorializing someone that died. Yeah. But some of, I mean, something like the Holocaust, mm-hmm. something of that level, how awful that was. Yeah. I feel like there's something a lot more sensitive about... You never want to trivialize that. Exactly. And the one that comes to mind is the memorial in Berlin. The memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe. Yeah. So that one always brings a bit of controversy. Yeah. So if anyone has been there or you don't know... You don't know it from its name. This Hmm. is the one that you always see in the photos that has the big blocks... Almost big bricks. Like, big I don't bricks. even know how to describe blocks. And it's almost like a maze. And it's very... The blocks are all different sizes, different heights, different... And the concept of them, from what I remember from years ago, was that... Because it's quite vast, this memorial ground. And the concept is, as you walk through the different blocks, it's just for you to kind of lose your sense of, like, yeah. time and space. And you just lose that awareness. Yeah. Uh, which I found it was very effective. And, and for me, very, it was very humbling. And it was very peaceful when you're in there because it sort of blocks out. Because you're in, like, the center. You're right by the Brandenburg Gates. Yeah. Um, and you don't really see much. You can't really hear much. It drowns out a lot of, mm-hmm. just cause you're surrounded by these massive concrete. I don't know if it's concrete, but I'm assuming yeah. it is. So you see people though, that take photos in yeah. this memorial site. And there's been a lot of controversy, whether it's okay to be taking selfies. People are posing, doing yoga poses. Yeah, I was going to say, not even selfies. Like, yeah, people doing yoga poses on top. Like, I'm really provocative. Like, sexy yoga poses on yeah. top of them. And I think there was a famous one of a guy juggling in between them, like, having fun. And, I like, me personally, when I see those photos, I'm like, what are you doing, you dickhead? Like... This is clearly a memorial to all those who died in the Holocaust. Like, this is very sacred. Right. And I I get a little enraged when yeah. I see these photos. And then you and I were talking about it, and you had a very different perspective on it. I had a different view on it when we were talking about it, only because I had read an article a few years ago about the guy that actually designed mm. um, this memorial site. And actually, his view on it, and the reason he had created it, was kind of like very different from it's very from it was very his opinion of it was very different from our woke culture today right like us being like this is disrespectful blah 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 he had like a more introspective really view on his own creation yeah so a quote from the man that actually designed the memorial so Mm -hmm. peter eisenman he's a new york architect he said to be honest with you i thought it was terrible now he's referring to the backlash people were getting Mm -hmm. for doing these types of poses and selfies and whatever it may be on the memorial site. He continued to say, people have been jumping around on those pillars forever. They've been sunbathing. They've been having lunch there. And I think that's fine. It's like a Catholic church. It's a meeting place. Children run around. They sell trinkets. A memorial is an everyday occurrence. It is not a sacred ground. And that was actually, so I remember when I had read that, and heard about this, I was like, that's a very good point. Because there is a big difference between a memorial site versus a burial ground where people are actually buried and laid to rest Mm -hmm. and respecting their place of rest versus a memorial. And so it did get me thinking at a place like, you know, in Berlin, what the architect is saying, why he designed it. 
was exactly the reason like it's it's he wanted people to do exactly what they're doing and take it in as however they sort of interpret it so i think the point that we're kind of trying to get at wherever you're going and we say this all the time do some research find Mm. out exactly what the place either if it's a memorial a burial site whatever it may be find out what is considered acceptable, why it was built, who built it, what the meaning behind it was. I found this so interesting that he said that because my guiding question had always been for kind of anything is like, is this a sacred site? And if the answer was yes, Mm. I was always like, okay, I'm going to treat this with all the respect I can. Um, I'm going to try not to do stupid shit here because like, yeah. you and I, we're stupid people. We take stupid photos, <laughs> stupid jokes. We've done some dumb like, shit before. We do all that shit. We're not like these serious, like super fucking woke travelers. Like we do dumb shit. And there's things you and I look back at and we're like, no, we probably shouldn't have done that. Um, but so my question now is always like, is this sacred? And if it is, I'm super respectful. And he, what he went and did in that when I was reading about him was he was like, this isn't sacred. <laughs> well, he said there's another quote. If you, if you go down, we can post this um, yeah. interview yeah, link as well. But he says, there are no dead people under my memorial. My idea was to allow as many people of different generations in their own ways to deal or not to deal with being in that place. And if they want to lock around, I think that's fine. And I think that goes to show how subjective so many places are. And his defining line is, you know, are people buried there? Yeah. Which, I mean, if people are buried there, that should always be a sacred place. Right. Um, But I thought that was so interesting. Like, I was just like, oh, like to me, still to this day, like if I went back there right now, that would be a sacred place to me. Yeah. But I like how he's very respectful of like different cultures, how different or different generations, how different generations Obviously, someone uh, who was born in the 1920s and grew up through the World Wars, they're going to right. have a very different view yeah. of and these memorials than people who grew up in 20, 2020. Yeah. Um, so he's very respectful of that. But I was just like, duh. Like, and I think it's just that humbling smack in the face. Also, for us not to be bitchy travel snobs, you know, just treating people with disgust if they're doing a yoga pose there and you can have conversations and i think if you read more about what he posts he talks about having challenging conversations Mm -hmm. he's like if you're somewhere where you see these things happening don't chastise people yeah have a conversation with them yeah and have a challenging conversation don't be uncomfortable people are so afraid to be uncomfortable yeah where these conversations are what you know, really provoke people who maybe weren't thinking about it when they arrived at that site. Right. To start thinking about it. Well, and that's it. And there's a big difference as well on this site, him saying, you know, it's mm-hmm. cool for people to do their thing. Uh, there's a big difference between someone doing a yoga pose and someone taking a piss on it. And that's again, going back to like, you know, what is okay. And like, you should have a conscience where well, you're you like, hope. I feel like most hope. people listening to a travel podcast are pretty people. You would hope. Are people pretty respectful already but yeah unfortunately well i guess this would lead into our next point where i when i was in munich a few years ago i when i lost my passport with a friend of mine and we got stuck there we Mm. had a few days to kill um so we went to one of the holocaust uh, memorials one of the concentration camps Mm. that are there i've never been so that's another one now something like a concentration camp memorial this one i feel like 
There's no questions asked. You and I actually had some interesting discussions about this, though. Like, about the selfie aspect, but we'll get well, there. Well, so that's it. So, something like... We were, I mean, my friend and I were on a piece of land where we know thousands and thousands of people mm. died. It was a strange one yeah. because, I mean, we did, we took photos. I took photos of the grounds and the inside. You know, even when I went, some people were like, oh, that's pretty dark that you went. I'm like, well, it's it's dark, but it's also part of history. Yeah. And I love history and I'm fascinated by history. And regardless, good, there's good history and there's bad history. And at the end of the day... You go to places like this and you do become a lot more educated on what happened then, yeah. and which is why I went. Um, so some people, first of all, they sort of, I feel like sometimes they look down on people that do visit things like this where mm-hmm. yeah. they think like you must be a pretty dark person to be going and gawking at something. It's like it's Which is weird because some people appreciate history and want to like pay their respects to history. Well, exactly. And that's what, oh, you know. so weird. So anyway, so I went. It was a very somber experience. Yeah. Um, But my friend and I, we did take a selfie in front of like the, the, the main doors. Okay. And it's not like, you know, we weren't standing there like doing thumbs up, silly, you know, we just sort of took a picture together. Yeah. And then after we took it, we kind of were like, I don't know if we feel good about this. We have the photo, but this definitely does not feel like a photo we should be posting on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it was at the time. And again, it's having that conscience where I just was like, this is not the place to be taking a selfie. And that's how I felt. So I have the photo, but I never posted it anywhere. I probably... If I were to go back to a place like this, I probably would never take a selfie again. Yeah. Like we, I did the one time. And after I did it, I went, this doesn't feel okay. Yeah. People, a lot of people died there. But then we say that. And then, you know, we took photos at a cemetery today. And where this, and this is where, what kind of got me thinking where I was like, for people who are on long-term trips, and that's how my mind works, because this is kind of what I did. It's like, if you have been traveling leading up to that moment, and you're taking a selfie kind of at everywhere you go, just like this is where I am now, you might do that subconsciously yeah. without thinking about, and I don't mean, like you might just do that and there's no malicious intent behind it and you're not like taking a selfie, you know, at the gas chambers. like Right. Um, but when you get there and there's no malicious intent, so it's like there's kind of this weird discretion, like I would be more forgiving of that. I think that many other people might be. Yeah. Um, and I guess it depends genuinely. What? Yeah. How are you posing in the photo? Because you do see people that are taking these photos where it's like thumbs up selfies, big smiles. It's like you're at a concentration like camp. Like this is not a happy place. Where people died. No, the vibe. And I, and that's the thing. The photo my friend and I took, like we were, again, we were just sort of mm-hmm. straight faced. But I just didn't feel good about it. And yeah. that was my own. That's how I felt. I mean, I don't think I'd feel good about that either. I just don't want to, and this is, we live in this world, this like woke world where we love to hate on those people do. And I think that's what that, you know, the Holocaust Memorial guy who created that really did was he was like, stop this instantaneous hate on people. And I think what we've, we've sort of learned stuff when we were sort of researching this, the Mm -hmm. difference between, yes, a burial ground versus a memorial there is there is a big difference and i think there's you know i'm gonna say this i don't feel like a lot of people even would talk about this but there's a difference too between photos you'll take 
and photos you'll post. Well, even before we recorded this episode, we Skyped with my dad. And so my dad kind of chimed in. He's like, oh, well, this is when we talked about, you know, taking photos of people, what's considered acceptable, what's not. My dad brought up a really good example of when, when we were younger growing up, we grew up very close by to like a Mennonite community mm-hmm. in yeah. St. Jacob's which yeah. is very close by St. Jacob's Ontario right near Brantford where we grew up still traditional Mennonite very yeah, traditional day. and they're yeah they're very I mean they still go around like horse and buggy they wear the traditional Mennonite wear the whole works mm-hmm. and I remember we'd go and they've got a really great market and that's why people used to go on the weekends because you go oh the St. Jacob's farmer markets it's it's fabulous and it's the Mennonites that sell their goods and that's how they make their money and so we'd go and my dad used to take and my dad very big into his photography and everything um, and he would take tons of photos of the Mennonites just going about their day to day and so we sort of talked about that today and my dad was like you know maybe that wasn't okay when I used to do that and I'm like well I feel like we're at a very different time now though mm-hmm. whereas back then you're taking photos it's for your own personal collection yeah. really these photos aren't going anywhere they're staying within our family photo albums, whatever it might be. Social media nowadays, that's the big difference. When we're starting to... And and so the Mennonite example is one thing, but we we could talk about anywhere we go travel and we're taking photos of people of a different culture than us. And instead of having that as our own personal collection, we're now posting that onto social media. And I just think if my face turned up somewhere, I became viral, I would feel very uncomfortable about that. And I just wouldn't want that. And that's the problem nowadays where we do live in this society of you post something and it's accessible to everyone. Yeah. Um, And this is why it's so important. You should be asking people permission no matter who they are. And isn't the irony fantastic and I'm just referring to people who don't think about this, but in an age where women, rightly so, are so focused on consent in every regard, you need consent for other people's photos. Like, yeah. You don't have the right to violate their life. And it's funny because people will hide behind the protection of this is a public space, so I do have the right to take the photo. Yeah. Where it's like... Maybe you have the right to take the photo, but you're still a piece of shit for doing it. Yeah. And it goes back to that whole having a conscience. Totally. Steph and I have both been. Yeah. um, What's the right word? I don't want to say on the other end. We've been on on the the other other end end of people wanting to take photos. But yeah. So I've had when I was in Tanzania, I had a group of college students that I was I think we were we were doing Kilimanjaro. We took a break and there was a group of college students and one of them came up. And they said, can I get a photo with you? Mm-hmm. And so our tour guide, I was kind of like, oh, all right. My tour guide said, you're a six foot tall, blonde, white woman. Like, yeah, this is crazy. This co- like, this is a college. Like, they don't really see white people that often. I was like, yeah, all right, fine. I'll t- we can take a photo. And then as soon as I took one photo with this person, they literally lined yeah. up. There was like 30 of them and they waited in the line. And I was fine with like it. Like respectfully waited respectfully. in line? Respectfully. Oh, and they good. were, you know, and most of them were fine where they said, can I put my arm around you? And I'm like, all right. But I'll be quite honest, like after maybe 10 of them, like it became really uncomfortable. Yeah. And I started thinking, I'm like, where is my face going to end up? There's 30 <laughs> people taking photos of me. Yeah. I could have said no. I, yeah. But I, you yeah. know, I said, yeah, same thing happened to me in Sri Lanka. There was a tour bus full of Indian tourists and that one made me a little bit more uncomfortable. Hmm. And they came up and didn't really, they asked if they could take the photo, but they didn't ask if it was okay for them to put their arm, like touch me. Mm. And I, and like any given time there was like two of them sort of mm-hmm. like putting their arms 
around me and I was and it got to the point I was like okay let's not I told them I'm like can we not touch like just stand and it had nothing to do with that I just yeah it was making too much. me it was too much it was overwhelming you've had the same stuff yeah so I'm obviously super white bleach blonde and Steph and I basically look exactly like people, people think, think we're sisters and we're not someone asked us the other day are you guys sisters I'm like no, no. <laughs> Um, but when I went to India, I was really warned a lot about people doing that. And I, my first like week in India, I was like, people aren't really doing this. And I think that's because I was in like the big city where people were kind of more used to tourists. So they're yeah. like, you're foreign, but you're not. I've never like, I've seen it before. Yeah. And it wasn't until I went so- somewhere kind of out of the way. And a man came up to me and was like, hey, like can I get a photo with you? Like, you're beautiful. And I'm like, you know what? Cool. Yep. Thanks. Let's get a photo. And I took a photo with him and I've never experienced this in my life. As soon as I said yes to him, it was about 50 other middle-aged Indian men. Yeah. And it wasn't like they all came and they circled around me. So suddenly I was enclosed. I couldn't get out if I wanted to. And thankfully where I was at that moment, and I don't ever hire tour guides. And this was like one of the only days in my life I had a tour guide and he was with me. So he like held my hand and like yelled at everyone else and was like, no, uh-huh. yeah, like he took control. And I've never been more thankful in the moment because yeah. I was like, that was the first moment where I'm like, if something happened where I wasn't okay with it, I couldn't stop it. Right. And that really scared me. I want that. And I think the point that we're trying to get at as well, if you guys are traveling and something similar happens to you, don't feel bad to say no yeah like imagine you were in your own country and some random dude just walked up to you and was like hi can i get a photo with you like actually we'd probably be more inclined to be like no this is (laughs) weird but you know when you're in another you want to be polite you want to be accommodating and so that was real so i feel like consent is is so important and it works both ways if we want people to respect our consent we need to respect theirs. Right. Yeah. Like it was crazy. And it's just like consent is such an important thing. We can't stress this enough. Stay Do you know what's been that. one that's blown me away for the past kind of one to two years? The ridiculous photos people are taking at Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. There's your typical dickhead selfies. People taking photos where they shouldn't. Super inappropriate. Like I'm talking chicks like... Getting half nude at Chernobyl. Which is a safety like, like hazard wearing, in itself. Like dressed up in hazmat suits and taking them half off and taking provocative photos in hazmat suits. And it's like, you dirty bitch. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm all, you know what? I'm all for like chicks taking sexy photos, empowering Time you do you. Place, you do you. But I'm like, Chernobyl's one of those places. I kind of going back to what we talked about. People died. And and people died. And it's also still not considered safe. Well, it's not considered safe. I don't like, I don't know why. Like if you're out there and they're letting people back in, clearly. But it's like, like what happened there is so awful. Why are you trying to sexualize it? Why is there something about people getting naked on sacred? I mean, that not to say that's a sacred ground, but it would be considered like a burial. Yeah, absolutely. People died. Um, it's horrific and that reminds me of uh i remember when i went to borneo a few years ago and they were telling us about uh these i think it was british and canadian tourists i think there was a few yeah yeah Yeah, there was a bunch of them 
And they went up, they climbed Mount Kinabalu, um, and they went up, they stripped down, took a photo of them, like, with their naked backsides. Now, this mountain is considered a very sacred mountain Mm -hmm. in Borneo, um, and it's in the Malaysian part. And they posted the photo somewhere, so I think this was, like, 2015. They posted it. Officials, someone saw it. Someone, they must have tagged it or something. They saw it. They ended up getting arrested. I think it was only like a few days later. There was like a pretty devastating earthquake that then happened in Borneo. And the people of Borneo have blamed these tourists for essentially desecrating this like sacred Mm, ground where they went, they got up there, got naked. And like, it's a Muslim, predominantly like Muslim population Mm. there. Then this earthquake happened. It was devastating. And like, they still like the people of Borneo, like even my tour guide, I'm like, do you guys actually believe that? He's like... Yeah, we think yeah. they caused it, whether or not they did. But these stupid tourists, it's like, who are you to be going up to the top of a sacred mountain? They probably didn't know it was sacred. <sighs> get naked in a Muslim country to get naked, take photos, and then post it. It was just like a kick in the nuts for people in Borneo. Yeah. Where they're like, that's so disrespectful for you to come to our country and do this. And I think here's the big thing is I think I remember that and it was all like – kids on their gap years like straight out of high school going into university not much world like as much as you like to think you know everything then right you don't have that much world knowledge and you learn it you do you learn as you go and certainly we're doing a travel podcast at like 34 35 yeah i mean one thing i would have still never done though in my early 20s was get naked (sighs) destroy anything i think like there is a responsibility of everyone of parents of the travel community to kind of try to warn these like first year gap year students who haven't had this exposure to like very simple concepts like don't get naked in like muslim or don't get naked just don't get naked anywhere don't get naked anywhere like like it doesn't you don't have to be like if even if you're in the uk do not get naked and run around yeah like that should just be etiquette not getting if naked, you want not to do pissing your on sexy, anything. If you want to do your sexy photos, there's tons of places in your home country you can do them. Yeah. Oh, in the past couple of years, there was some situation. It was a Canadian tourist or a tourist in Canada who pissed on one of the eternal flames. So, right, I remember a, this. There's eternal flames in different countries, and they basically burn. It. Usually they're war memorials, and it's a constant flame to remember those who died. And... Every now and then, and I've seen it, it happens in Paris at the Arc de Triomphe, the flame they have there, where tourists are super drunk and they piss on them and put them out and think it's funny and it's like, you're fucked and you just got a lot of jail time or fines. Like, no one thinks you're cute. I think to sum everything up today, like, I, I don't like saying common sense, but when it comes to photo etiquette as a traveler, ask for consent, be respectful at sacred grounds. And be vigilant about your being respectful at burial grounds. Okay, we say it all the time. Do a bit of research. Just look it up online. Literally, you can Google, is it okay to take photos (laughs) at, and I'm sure someone has written some type of blog post that it'll give you an idea. And also, finally, and ironically, if you see someone being a dickhead at a site, you don't have to be a woke bitch to call them out on it. No. Talk to people, educate people, speak to people. Like, I don't want to be that older person, but like... Educate them. 18, 19-year-olds who are starting to travel need people 
to speak to them, not speak down to them. They might we all know. learn the hard way. Sometimes we do. Just... We all learn the hard way. Sometimes someone just needs to be told. This was this week's episode. We thought next week's episode would be brought to you live from the ACAST studios, but that has been canceled because of coronavirus. Yep. So please, everyone listening... Do a little Hail Mary that I get to fly back to Australia this week. But thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod and donate start as low as just one dollar also if you could follow us on twitter and instagram at shit abroad pod and facebook by searching all the shit i've learned abroad thanks so much for listening hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.